Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Melissa Rivers and welcome to Group Text. Stay tuned for a new episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Group Text. It's a big, big morning for us. Morning, day, whatever you want to call it after Oscars. Um, an interesting evening, which we're going to get into. I'm joined today by my favorite expert, Dave Carter, man about town. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. Danny Pellegrino, who is the host of Everything Iconic podcast newbie with us so excited to have you i'm so excited to be here and we have so much to talk about we so do. much to talk about and chiming in of course is the sane part of my brain which is alarming my beloved sabrina miller hello hello it's really scary that i think of you as the sane part of my brain because i know how crazy you actually are well you know what i love you too <laughs> <laughs> okay let's let's start Let's start macro and then go micro, okay? Dave, overall thoughts. I was so looking forward to the ceremony because everything that I had read from the producers of the telecast, most notably Steven Soderbergh, who's an amazing filmmaker, Oscar-winning director, who's in traffic and does all these great visual things with movies like Ocean's Eleven, was saying how he was going to have the ceremony feel like a movie. It was going to be like a movie. And sure enough... From the opening, you see Regina King walking in, you see opening credits with all the presenters' names. You're like, it's a movie. Five minutes later, it was not a movie. It was, yeah. the, Os- it was the Oscars. And that's not bad, but I just think it was a show that didn't know what it wanted to be. At first, it was very serious, very earnest, telling us facts and life stories of all the nominees. And then by the end, Glenn Close was shaking her butt. Yeah. So well, I, we're going to get just, to we're definitely going to be discussing will. that. Yes, we we do. Yeah, and it, so it just felt like a telecast that wasn't really sure what it was trying to become. You can't fault any of the winners, although I know there's people very disappointed that Chadwick Boseman didn't win and we got to talk about the fact that oh, that yeah. award was saved till the end. Mm-hmm. But I think overall the winners that were chosen pretty great and there were some historic moments that we can also talk about, but as a telecast I was very underwhelmed. Yeah, it has not gotten good reviews. Danny, overall thoughts? Yeah, look, when it started and I turned on the E-Red carpet and they were looking like they were broadcasting out of a rainforest cafe, I was excited. I thought we were going to get some unpredictable stuff happening. And that opening with Regina King, I was on the edge of my seat saying like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, where, what are, where are we going? And I love the oddness of the Oscars. I love seeing James Franco and Anne Hathaway bomb. I love seeing Rob Lowe with Snow White. So I was excited for stuff like that. And then ultimately we didn't get a whole lot of that. And it did sort of fall into this weird, uh, predictable spot. Um, but there were definitely some moments that I really loved. I know we're going to talk about, uh, you know, Francis's win and Glenn's butt moment. So there were moments, there were moments. Yeah. 
Sabrina, you and I were sort of watching together. So uh, I know that you thought it was, well, let's be honest, weird. To say the least, to say the yeah. least. I actually thought I was watching Soul Train after I saw uh, Glenn Close <laughs> doing the butt. <laughs> <laughs> and Questlove as our pseudo host and music. I needed Questlove to kind of play people off a little bit more than he was doing. I don't think he was doing it at all. The speeches were very long. Yes. Oh. Too long, too long. Too long. Too long. Okay. There were a few surprises, starting with, the order of the presentation of awards, which I think was a full swing and a miss. We like starting with best supporting actors. We want to see the celebrities. We want to see the actors right off the bat. It brings energy. It brings rooting for your person right to the top of the show. And basically, yeah, not even a run before, not even a walk before the run. It was a crawl before the show even walked, let alone ran. Dave, that to me was a major miss and a lot of levels. Yeah, it's hard with the Oscars compared to the Golden Globes where basically every category is a star because they have TV and TV movies and all these different things where almost every category has stars in it. So the Oscars are a disadvantage because you only have four out of 23 that are starry, right? But you're right. I also like it when they start with one of the supportings, but they did start with... Emerald Fennell, who is, you know, kind of a star in her own right. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I thought it was really cool to see her winning, you know, at the very beginning of the show and and setting a tone for kind of new filmmakers. You know, she's a first time filmmaker uh, being anointed at the Oscars. But yeah, I just think they were, again, trying to make some waves and, and shake things up and mix things up. And that's why you didn't see Best Picture being saved to the end. That was the third to the last instead of the last. That was a mistake and as well. Best, and Best Director was mid-show. Right. It was mid-show, yeah. So, I mean, in a way, you want those big ones, director and picture, at the end because you want the show to build to this crescendo of the most important two. But when Chloe Zhao wins Best Director, granted, there are many times where Best Director and Best Picture are two different movies, particularly lately. But when Chloe Zhao won Best Director halfway through, you kind of knew, well, no, Madland's probably going to win just because it felt that way, right? And sure enough, that's, that's what happened. And let's discuss, wow, bad call on putting Best Actor last. First of all, Terrible they call. did that. Yeah, they did that because they obviously they thought Chadwick Boseman was going to win. But all of these people are seasoned producers. They should know that nothing is a guarantee. Yep. And the fact that they went to a black and white headshot of Anthony Hopkins, who didn't even care to go to the theater in London. <laughs> well, that's what they said they were going to do was throw up your picture if you couldn't be at either place. Yeah. And obviously Anthony Hopkins didn't give a rat's ass where he was. And by the way, this whole like, oh, it's a shock that Anthony Hopkins won. Not to get too nerdy here on you, but I think no, Danny will do. appreciate this too. The BAFTA Awards, the British Academy Awards were held like two weeks ago. Every single category, except one, cinematography, every single category, the person that won the BAFTA won the Oscar this year. Really? So, yes. Wow. 
So there was a decent chance that he was going to win because there's a lot of overlap between the voters of the BAFTA and the voters of the Academy. I don't understand. I, I guess this is like a legitimacy thing of like they don't want to know the winners beforehand. But I feel like we're putting on a show here. Can't like one of the producers know the winner beforehand so we don't mm. run into something like this? Like just open the envelope Great and point. figure it out. Just peek. By the way, I would yeah. have been, you know, I would have slowly opened it and looked and quickly redone the rundown. Because how do you end a show saying, okay, well, that's it. It was so anticlimactic. It just ended. It sort of petered off. And I'm like, we don't have Anthony Hopkins here. There was no one really to come out and say, that's the end of the show. Mm -hmm. It was a black, by the way, and not even a color photo. Right. It was literally (laughs) a black and white. And I can talk as a producer. At that point, you want to put a gun to your head. Listen. Oh, I'm sure they were screaming in the control room. Oh no! Yeah, I doubt they were. I doubt they were saying, "Oh no!" I think that was that's the G-rated version of what. I'm trying to be family friendly here. Yes, Melissa. you are. That's right. Good for you, Dave. Yeah. They, you know, at that I'm point, fucking not trying to be family friendly here. And <laughs> yeah. I just have to say, I, uh, with all of the awards, it felt like the presenters, it was so confusing to me that it felt like they were riffing. It felt so unorganized when Laura Dern stepped out and she's introducing the, mm. the nominees for a category and she's talking about uh, going to Fellini film. It, it just, it didn't feel scripted at all, but it didn't feel like off the cuff in a good way. Do you know what I mean? It felt rambly. Yeah, totally. And I know it was supposed to be, you know, intimate and personal. I don't know about you guys. I don't want my my Oscars intimate and personal. I want a big, glittery, extravaganza. Right. Spectacle. I want a spectacle. Well, here's what's weird, because, you know, I'm always cognizant of, like, how long the Oscars are, and they always run over, right? And with all of these speeches going, you know, for on and on, and obviously someone like Thomas Vinterberg, who wins for international film for another round whose daughter was killed, you know, just as they were starting the movie. I was actually kind of riveted by his, by the end of his speech when he was telling that story. But by and large, when people were kind of going on and on and on, and there was no music playing them off, Danny, as you're talking about, I thought to myself, this is going to be a five hour show. But then I realized near the end, because they cut out so much of the fat. So much of the good stuff too. Yeah. Everyone's complaining about no film clips. Right. And no film clip, no music. I mean, they put the music at the pre-telecast and it was like, these are the things that make it an entertaining show that were right. cut. Do you guys even remember any of the musical performances? Nope, they were in the pre-show. The pre-show. That's what I'm saying. They just seem like a backdrop somewhere in Neverland. I loved I loved the Eurovision one, Husevik. I love that song. It's so cheesy and great. And I love that little girl's choir that was singing with, with her. She was That was actually really special. You but, guys, the most upbeat musical moment of the entire show was the In Memoriam. I mean, uh, they had like you. an upbeat. Yes. It was like, what was going on? It was an upbeat, mid-tempo yes. kind of song, which Stevie Wonder. You know, beautiful, it was beautiful, but Wonder. it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. where was the other music? Okay, but right. my favorite part of the In Memoriam, which everyone is saying was the most entertaining part of the show, was I think they tried to cut to the beat. So in the beginning, each face was getting a little more time, and then all of a sudden, it sped up right. until they got to Sean Connery where it got slow again. And I so, tell you, it was dizzying. I yes. mean, a lot, of, a lot of people passed away. A lot of big people passed away, but I was like, this is too fast for me. You couldn't I need to read. appreciate right, these people. Right, you right. you couldn't read half the names. It was like someone, and then it started to slow down again, and then end with Sean Connery. But you want to say, like people like flew by. Yeah, right, whiplash. Yeah. And also, 
also I prefer when somebody's singing the in memoriam segment. Like I wish, you know, I like when Jennifer Hudson steps out or someone with a big voice and uh, you know, it gives a little bit more drama to the whole thing. Well, Although well, that Stevie what? song is beautiful. I loved when Billie Eilish did it last year. Loved right. it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And I understand with all the COVID that they had to do that, but they could have had someone singing live from the Dolby and cut to that and, or, ha- and, you know, back and forth to that. Start at the Dolby with the orchestra and then cut to the in memoriam. And then at the end, go back to the person singing and put come to black. But then again, right. they haven't hired me to produce it. So fuck them. Anyway, well, <laughs> well, right, well, the little, well, you know, the Dolby folks are a little pissed off that it was at the train station. Now, Dave, you were saying, what were you saying that the big line is right now? Oh, well, of course, the Oscars were at a rail station this year because it was a train wreck. Um, <laughs> but you know what, Sabrina, I, I'm sure the I'm sure the Dolby Theater people weren't happy, but the Union Station was way more conducive to this kind of spread out moment yes, right i agree um it would have been very weird at the dolby everyone kind of packed in it wouldn't have worked can i say one last thing about in memoriam that actually I, unless i'm misremembering guys and correct me if i'm wrong on this but the nice thing about having the pre-recorded stevie wonder song playing is that because there was no live music in the room you didn't also hear the people clapping for selected deceased people where then the in memoriam becomes this popularity contest where some people get applause and other people don't this year i think because the audio went down in the room and they only played stevie uh you you weren't hearing any of that clapping and i think it was more kind of equitable for the whole montage which i like that's a very good observation that i didn't notice i may have been drinking and eating but you you are correct about that so do you think Mm -hmm. that 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 was by accident or on purpose mr dave i i think it's to what melissa was saying that they probably couldn't have a live performer you know so they they did this i think this was a happy byproduct of that decision now it also could have been the color on our tv and i don't know but i thought the red carpet looked pink the lighting was very strange. The cinematography, I know it's a Steven Soderbergh kind of production, but it almost looked like it, I was watching Contagion. Like it was the lighting, felt, especially <laughs> at the beginning, it settled in a little bit later. But yeah, the pink carpet, it, it felt like there was a filter over the screen. Yeah. But let, let's get down to the super shallow stuff. Dave, feel free or just hang out. Very cinematic opening with uh, Regina King in that Amazing. Stunning. Stunning. Stunning uh, Louis Vuitton. Mm -hmm. And let herself be shot from behind, which is crazy. And pretty much no butt has gotten that much airtime since Pippa Middleton (laughs) following Kate into Westminster Abbey. But I thought that was a great moment. And I love that when she tripped, she's like, oops, live TV. I thought, yes. okay. She she did it. She just played it off and just went with it. Well, that's what, if you're a runway model and you fall, you got to get up and keep it strutting. Right. And she's royal. She came out and was holding court. I mean, we didn't have a host of the show, but she felt at least the closest to a host, especially at the beginning of the show. I would have liked a song and dance, a Billy Crystal number or, or Whoopi Goldberg coming dr- out dressed in costume. But I thought uh, Regina is so stunning and that, that dress, even though I had seen it on the red carpet beforehand, seeing it on camera, open the show on stage, she just looked, she looked royal to me. Yes, she did. I okay. agree. Well, let's throw in a little bit of fashion. Let's talk one of the trends, which was gold. We saw a ton of gold 
uh, Andra Day in gold. I believe that was Vera Wang. Now, here's the thing. I always say, when you think you're going to win, you come dressed to win. I think Andra Day is beyond stunning. Didn't come dressed to win. If she had won in that dress, it would have been like a share moment. You could totally see the curve of her butt. The slit was too high. Gorgeous body. In my opinion, wrong for the event. Well, Mo, there was a lot of cutouts, not just with Andra, with Zendaya, and, you know, even with Carrie. And you're just like, wait a minute. Carrie uh, Mulligan. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan. You're like, mm, I'm not feeling this. Yeah, there were a lot of sh- what I call share moments. Right. Zendaya specifically, I mean, that was... Her look was so shared to me. I mean, I was, she looked stunning, stunning. So um, you're saying that you actually like that, Danny? Uh, Zendaya? Mm-hmm. I did. I loved, she was my favorite. You know, when, when she first walked out on on the carpet, I didn't actually like it. And then by the end of the night, I was like, this is my favorite look I'm seeing. I loved it. You didn't like really? it? Really? So it grew on you like a bad song. Okay. It did. It All did. Right. Yeah. Okay. I didn't love it. I... I wanted, I felt, again, for the Grammys, fabulous Mm, dress. Right, absolutely. I mean, it was a gorgeous Valentino dress, the color. But again, I'm just, the cutout, it just wasn't working for me. It was a little too much. You mentioned Carrie Mulligan. She was in gold as well. And she was in that ball gown trend that we ended up seeing. Mm -hmm. I I didn't like Carrie. To me, the color didn't work on Carrie. I loved the bottom of it, not the top. Love the bottom, not the top. Which brings us to another trend was those low-cut dresses. There were titties everywhere. <laughs> they were. There was one shot of Halle Berry where they got, like, all these women, when they would turn to the side and they would get these side shots, I was terror. I really was actually hoping. I thought we were going to have one or two just fly out. Titty you know? City on the Oscars. Titty City. Yeah, you're looking for the wardrobe malfunction. We almost got a whole bunch of them. Also in gold, while we're staying on our gold trend, um, Brioni, who was in uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Versace. Uh, no, I thought it was Brioni. Leslie Odom Jr. in Versace, baby. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. Men not wearing traditional tuxedos. Danny? I love the men. Uh, to me, the men were who really, I mean, they stood out to me. I, Lakeith, uh, I'm sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, Lakeith Steinfeld? Um, yeah, Stanfield. Stanfield. In the Yves Saint Laurent obsessed. jumpsuit. The I'm jump obsessed suit. with that. I loved and it. I, I, I loved it. They were saying that he had, the, he had the best snatched waist of the night. So snatched. And I, you know, he was in a rom-com years ago called Someone Great or Something Great. And I just, I'm so in love with him. I want to see more of like, more rom-com version of Lakeith. I mean, I find him so sexy and so confident and just beautiful. And yeah, that waist, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, Loved it. Before we get into sort of the bigger ball gowns, because you mentioned Amanda Seyfried, who looked unbelievable. Uh, was it Armani Privé? Again, with the low plunging neckline and boobies everywhere. Um, Dave... She was nominated for Mank. Right. And we know that Hollywood loves stories about Hollywood. 
I was surprised that Mank didn't get more attention other than in sort of the creative categories. Uh, I'm not. I, I, I think the movie is beautiful, Mank. Amanda Seyfried did a fine job. I think the nomination was her award. I think it kind of announced this new uh, phase in her career where she, where she will be taken more seriously and has proven that she's actually a terrific actress and not just a cute star. But I think the movie was dense. And um, I think, you know, it was very written, right? And the screenplay didn't even get nominated. It's, the, it's not a, the kind of movie you can just kind of sit and let wash over you. You have to really be paying attention. And I think some voters, for some voters, it was just too much, too complex, too intense, too dense. Too Whereas boring. some of these other ones, you know. But yeah. they were all dense. This was not, I mean, it's crazy that, Promising Young Woman was the lightest movie right. that was nominated. Right. And that was my favorite. I love that and Sound of Metal. Those two were my favorites. But everything else just felt so, so overly, forgive me, boring. I mean, some of the, and very heavy too. And I, I don't know, I think in this year in particular, where we're all looking to escape a little bit, it, it was a lot of heavy stuff. I don't know, for me at least, I need to put on, you know, something animated or, or light because I, oh, I this hear year you. I can't. I agree yeah, with you, I'm, Danny. Yeah, and Sound of Metal was my favorite movie too. Of and and actually, people may or may not know, um, Sound of Metal premiered a year and a half ago at the Toronto Film Festival, 2019. So this is a movie that was made two and a half years ago. So way, way before anything that we're going through. But I hear you, Danny. It's like it's. I just think that's the way the kind of the cookie kind of crumbled that the movies that were already done and ready to go. Um, this in, during this quarantine were a kind of sad lot of films, but I think you would agree that Sound of Metal actually becomes quite uplifting at the end. Right. Uh, but right. you do have to get through a lot uh, to get there. And Dave, forgive me uh, if I'm wrong, but a lot of the bigger budget stuff that might have been nominated in other years was pushed, right? Yeah, West Side Story, for instance, right. which made a big splash finally with its trailer. That's a movie that was meant to have come out of. In the Heights. And in the Heights, sure. These are movies, Dune, there was a, a Dune remake. These are movies that were supposed to have come out in late 2020, but of course they're now being held until people are largely back in theaters again. But again, I, and I've said this before, you cannot fault any of those movies that were nominated for Best Picture. The Father, it's incredible. Sound of Metal, I think Nomadland's great. Promising Young Woman, these are, these are wonderful films. Yes, they're heavy, but they're really, really well done. Right. Yeah, but I, I had a problem this year, and I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I feel like the new acting, they all mumble. I have had to crank the volume on my TV. Every It's like living with when Cooper was a teenager. Quit mumbling. <laughs> Speak up. Speak I put up subtitles and, and on nuns, all the yeah. time. Yeah, and, I oh, watch things do? with subtitles all the time, too. Yeah, I, every even TV, it's like I feel like I need it. Yeah. Every everybody's mumbling. Sabrina, you're laughing because our producer just told us that I was right and you were wrong. Yes, you, you were <laughs> absolutely right. I stand corrected, Melissa. My Leslie Leslie Odom Jr. was in Brioni, and I yes, am so he was. I am so rarely right. Well, you were right, and I'm <laughs> going to write Cosmo and tell them that they are so wrong, and I will no longer use them as a resource. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, can I ask you a question about Amanda Seyfried? Do you think she was dressed to win, or would you say that dress was dressed? Um, well, I think it was 
again, we, we haven't got it. There were a lot of ball gowns. And I love that she was in a big ball gown. Honestly, I, I don't think anyone really showed up dressed to win except for Regina King and our beloved Angela, Angela Bassett. Bassett. Right. And oh. they weren't nominated. <laughs> Those two, you know, we always say you can tell someone's going to win because the dress reflects, you know, the, even if they're crazy, they're serious because that's the picture they're going to run with your obituary is you holding your Oscar. So, well, Angela Bassett should be holding an Oscar for What's Love Got to Do With It. I mean, yes, she can should. we just give her that retroactive Oscar at I some point? I agree with you, too. She was robbed. I mean, yeah. any woman that can wear blue eyeshadow and make it look good and make oh. you want to say, I can do that. Flawless. That, that she was Alber- flawless. That Alberta Ferretti gown. To me, Regina King, I think, has won all of awards season. But, man, Angela gave her a run. There were a lot of newbies. Starting with her wearing oh, Dundas. Her, my favorite look of the night. I loved it. I thought I, she looked stunning. Do you know what she reminded me of? Janae. Um, Janelle um, Monet. Janelle, Janelle Monet when she On, wore that capey thing before the Grace Joan kind of capey. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was our last real red carpet before everything shut down. But to me, wasn't that more of a Grammy look? I loved it. My favorite look of the night. But was it more Grammy? No, I think from what she wore to the Grammys, I think this is an, a musician and someone like her Oscar dress. You're not. This is not an an actress. Mm. The only time I took my eyes off of her was when she won the award and Diane Warren didn't win the award because I felt so bad for Diane Warren. Her and Glenn Close have been here a hundred fucking times and they've never left with the trophy. No, they have not. But I actually want to ask Dave about music. At one point, there was a distinct shift from very traditional songs winning like my heart will go on else to a switch when suddenly what was it from gangster's paradise one suddenly it was um it's hard out here for a pimp oh did gangster's paradise right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah hustle and flow hustle Hustle and flow flow. i've got the songs mixed up when did that happen i mean i'm glad it happened but i mean when the one from hustle and flow one it's hard out here for a pimp. It was still all white old men voting, yet it I won. I know. Well, they, you know, every shock. now and again, you have to be thrown a bone. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but but think back to the 80s, right? I mean, I'm a kid of the 80s, where, to, to your point, it was like, I just called to say I love you. The power of love, say you, say me, against all odds. Like, these songs that were being nominated for the Oscars were, like, huge number one Hits, hits, fame, and flash dance, and all. I was like, "What happened to that?" And I think the day it was the days where the '80s movie soundtrack was really huge, and I think the '90s kind of did away with that. And I think that was then reflected in the best song category, where three years out of four, let's say, you have no idea what even you've never even heard the songs. Right. right. The nom- when the nominations right. are announced, I'm like, "Oh, I gotta go listen to these five songs now, which I've never heard." Music in general has sort of gotten away from the big voices too, right? In the 90s, we had Celine, Mariah, Gloria, Whitney, like they were all, uh, that was who was ruling the charts. And now if you look, I mean, it's much, I don't I don't know if smaller is the right word, but if you look at someone like Billie Eilish or beautiful artists and great musicians, but it's not the big vocal dramatics that, I don't know, at least I grew up with in the 90s and it's, around that it's time. It's those diva moments performing. 
Right, that you 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 yearn for. I mean, right. we yeah. still. I I think Celine Dion's hand is permanently damaged from her pounding her chest the year that <laughs> the greatest singer <laughs> in the world. Yes, and like pounding her chest. We're like, I'm like, I think she might still have nerve damage in that hand. She's going back to Vegas. I think that's the rumor. Oh, mm. yeah. but yeah, I think back on Divas Live 98 and 99, and I don't know if that could happen in 2021. Who would the Divas Live be? Like there aren't, it's there, not the same. Yeah. Other than Lady Gaga, we're, we're, we're definitely missing a lot of Divas. I want to talk about the lack of comedy. Oh, well, Melissa, that, well, Melissa, uh, it was terrible. Except I, for the best supporting actress. Yes. <laughs> Dave, you, you're the one in this group that can pronounce her name. It's not properly. hard. It's Ye Jung Yoon. Ye Jung Yoon. Now, Ye Jung Yoon. Okay, I think she has a major crush on on my future husband Brad Pitt. She Who was doesn't? more Who among ex- us doesn't exactly. Seriously. She was more excited to meet Brad Pitt than, than anything. anything. She just wanted to touch him. And the, the funny thing is, didn't he he produced Minari? I mean, I think he's listed company, as an executive then. producer. Yeah. And she immediately, when she got on stage to accept the award, she said, "Where were you on set?" And it was hysterical. <laughs> and her delivery was flawless. Oh, I I think another funny moment that fell a little flat was Harrison Ford. Can I mean, you can you can someone translate what he said? First of all, I think he was learning to read right in front of us. And he has a pilot license, <laughs> Melissa. He has a pilot license. Imagine getting on the plane and that man, uh, he's a gorgeous man and he seems wonderful. He's given us so much throughout the years. But to be quite honest, like I'd be terrified to get in a plane with that man who was reading his notes as if he was seeing it for the very first time. Oh, I mean, it was a clever idea. First yeah. of all, you know, and Danny, you, you're a comedian. They it, he, they should have cut it shorter. It should have been much shorter. It should have been one, completely two, cut, three, completely cut. He said, "Well, no, oh no, but like one, two, three, and that movie was Blade Runner." Right now, exactly. I wanted him to say, "And that movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark." Blade Runner already, you're kind of going, I, I that those those were huge, great movies, but they weren't Indiana Jones or Star Wars. Yeah, but Blade Runner was filmed there at this Union Station. Which, by the way, did not know that. Right. Why are we even giving Harrison Ford a bit, though? Like, we have all of these other amazing people. Reese Witherspoon has done two Legally Blonde movies. Like, let her do the bits. I don't know if I need Harrison Ford doing the bit. Well, you're acting like Reese Witherspoon <laughs> knows how to have fun at all unless she's, you know, partying. But having said that, though, it was really cute because... You know, Chloe Zhao, who won for Best Director and Best Picture, she was nominated for Best Editing because she also edited Nomadland. It was so sweet when Harrison Ford was reading off the nominees' names and he said, Chloe Zhao, you you saw her mouth. Oh, my God, he just said my name. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think it's really great then when you have someone like Harrison Ford, you have the real old-time royalty. I mean, it's sad that he's now real old-time royalty, but he is. Um, so I, I like those moments. But I, yeah. I hear you, the, the bit went on too long. Dave, yeah. you just hit on something that I think was missing too from the telecast is a lot of the legacy stars. I mean, it felt like we were missing the Merrills. And I know we had we had Viola Davis there, of course, legendary, a queen and icon and a legend. But I felt like we were missing some of that star power a little bit. Most okay. definitely. I agree I, with you. But Viola and I got to go back to the boobs of the night. Again, she, was, she had some boobs going. I didn't love the way the dress fit her boobs. I know, Sabrina, you love the dress. 
I was like, when she turned sideways, I felt like the, the, it wasn't so flattering. You felt like it was too much boobs. I think probably for me, you know, that all that beautiful cutout, you know, that McQueen signature, um, and maybe it was just a contrast of, of her skin with the dress. Maybe that's why I was, you know, just overtaken by it all, perhaps. Perhaps. I just thought it was not the most flattering I've seen on her. Speaking of not flattering. Are you going to start with Glenn Close and those? Who are you going to? Yeah, who are you going going to? Glenn Glenn Close. Okay. I mean, first of all, she made some very unfortunate uh, Oscar history. This was what her eighth loss, which ties her with Peter O'Toole. uh, And... The only thing we're talking about is the scripted moment where she pretends she knows all the song and gets up and does debut. Yes. Well, she, she looked like a Batman villain to me with those gloves on on the red <laughs> carpet. And I like that part. But the debut moment, I, I think, was scripted. And at, when I was watching it, I thought it was an off the cuff. And I was really ex- I thought it was the funniest moment of the night. And then I was reading this morning that that was all completely planned. So I was bamboozled and... You know, I don't know. I hold it against her at a certain point because I was well, that bamboozled. That is so sweet how naive you are. I know. I, I know. I was well, bamboozled, Dave, I, Melissa. I, I can't believe your eyes are not still rolling from last night watching that. <laughs> I was Who, trying me? to figure out with, yeah. Her, yeah. With, the, with the gloves and I'm like, is she, is it a COVID thing with the gloves or is she playing, paying homage to OJ Simpson? What's going on with the gloves and... It was not she didn't good. she didn't dress to win. I have a fashion question. Would you ordinarily, if you wear gloves, do you wear the jewelry over the gloves? I saw the ring over the glove. Is that normal? It depends. If you really want to go back to like royalty mm-hmm. and the 1800s where society women wore gloves, you took off your gloves when you were inside. So the jewelry could not be over it. It's a much more modern thing with people putting the jewelry over it because they're not taking off their gloves because it's more fashion. But that aside, do Dave, do scripted bits ever really work? And I always cringe with the audience participation with that song game that we're talking about. Yeah, and again, and that's that's one of the issues that I had where the show all along had been this kind of earnest, I think too earnest, uh affair and then it almost was like the producers were like uh this is not fun enough let's just go let's do that bit that we talked about with Lil Rel Howery it was funny uh that was the weakest that was the weakest uh version of it was funny I've ever heard no he's he's funny he's He's funny funny. he tried I I mean it came too late in the game too what it was it two hours and 40 minutes into the telecast that was our first real jokey bit and I appreciate that Glenn Close is a good sport about losing all the time. And she obviously knew she was going to lose this time because there was no way she was winning for Hillbilly Elegy. No. But it just was a little bit like aggressively scripted for me. It was. I don't like that we're making Glenn work for so much of this. Like she, we're not even giving her a trophy and then we're making her work during the telecast. It was too much for me. Yeah. Exactly. That poor woman. Is she still, she's a good girl. She still shows up every year. Um, Frances McDormand can't even touch the fashion, as my mother used to say, at least comb your hair. Please. <laughs> she, she looked like my middle school art teacher. I mean, that's in Ohio. It's just like, I, yeah. I, and she always does. But for her, that was like pulled together. 
Dave, please translate. I still do not understand anything she was saying. And I know the howl has something to do with the movie. Like, and she's married to one of the Cohen brothers. I know this is like a very artsy, eccentric moment. Can you please be the Francis Whisperer and explain to us what that was all about? Please. She, well, now that it's over, she really kind of didn't want to win Best Actress. She was really hoping that the movie was going to win. Oh, who doesn't want to win Best Actress? No, no, she like she really didn't want it. Like she already has two. Then give it to she, Glenn Close. Get off this and hand it to her. Hand it to her. Right. This is for you. That would but have been she, a moment. Yes, yeah. that would have been she, a moment. She really wants. She was really hoping. I think that the Academy would kind of reach out to a Carrie Mulligan or a Andrew Day or a Vanessa Kirby or someone who'd never won it. She's even said as much from you know the podium of other award shows where she's like, "There's that other people out there, won. guys." What? No, that she has one. Oh, that she has. But still, I mean, if everyone loves her so much, then first of all, give her the fucking statue already. You're talking about with Glenn. With yes, Glenn. Mm-hmm. with Glenn. Glenn probably and, thought she was back on the set of 101 Dalmatians when Frances was doing the Howlin' when she won the award. I mean, I'm sure she, she didn't <laughs> she, know where she, she was. She snapped into character. She snapped. Yeah. But, don't, but yeah, if Frances didn't care so much, then then honor Glenn and hand it to her. But I'll go with you. I smell what you're stepping in. But she's just like a little, she just, you know, it's, she's Fran McDormand. She's, she's all about the work. She's not about this celebration. She's not about the glamour. It's just not her thing and it never will be. And, uh, but it is cool. Go back and look at Fran McDormand. Like when she was nominated for best supporting actress for almost famous. And she's on the carpet with this like glam, this is 20 years ago with this super glam hair. And it's, it's fascinating. You know, I think she felt like back in the day when she was newer that she had to do all that. And now she just doesn't care. Well, what the Clearly. hell was she, but what the hell was she saying in her speech? She was talking yeah. about a sword and she, and I was, she was like, it's our craft. And I'm yeah. like, is she speaking a language we don't know, understand? What, what was going was on with her? Well, also, that was problematic because they had already, she had already just spoken for Best Picture. So then she has to come back up, you know, for Best Actress. And she kind of had said everything already. And that she's not the person who's just going to stand up there and make a long speech just because she feels like she needs to. So she just kind of spouted off about how the work is the most important thing. And the, her, the sword, you know, her work is the sword that, you know, that's her, that's her weapon, her work. Uh, for change and to you know change people's hearts and minds and she wished there had been a karaoke machine at the event because there were a lot of talented people but that's Fran she's I, just a, she's a cook she's kooky I kooky. love it I love that you called it that's Fran I love that you're right and I love that you're Fran. sticking to that was just kooky um okay everybody favorite moment of the night when it ended yeah <laughs> And on that note, I'm going to wrap this up. Everyone, Danny, Dave, Sabrina, thank you so much sure. for at least, at least finding some fun in an Oscar show that tried hard and was under very strange conditions, but just simply fell flat. Agreed. That's it. Thank you. That's thank it. You Thanks, guys. everyone. Thank you.